Proverbs. And we'll be in Proverbs quite a bit, but we'll be in some other places as well. But Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter number 3. And as you're turning to Proverbs chapter number 3, let me read you from a different passage as well. Proverbs chapter 3 is where we'll be. But I'm going to turn to Proverbs chapter 15. And I'm going to read a couple verses there. We're actually going to end with these verses today. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 13, it says, A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. The heart of him that hath understanding seeketh knowledge. But the mouth of fools feedeth on foolishness. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Shake hands with a poor boy who owns everything. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 22, it says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But a broken spirit drieth the bones. And then Proverbs chapter number 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. It says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. Honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Let's pray, and then we'll go on today. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for opportunity to open it and to preach and teach and to learn from it. Help us to hear from you, to hear from uh, what your Holy Spirit would have us to hear in your word, and that you would just guide my mind and mouth and what is said today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. A merry heart works like medicine. That's why Reader's Digest has a section in there. I don't even know if Reader's Digest exists anymore. But the ones that I saw when I was a kid had a section in there called Laughter is the Best Medicine. Now, I don't know about laughter, but a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Those aren't just words. They didn't just randomly think, well, well, we don't know what to put in Proverbs chapter 17, so let's throw that in there. No, those are the words of God. And the merry heart doeth good like a medicine. A merry heart is a blessing. Now, a merry heart is not the same thing as just a jovial comedy routine. We'll talk about that as we go. But how do you have a merry heart? How do you get a merry heart? Well, as we just read in Proverbs chapter 3, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Salvation is where it starts. You have to be born again. You must trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's where it starts. And so if you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're trusting in him with all your heart, you automatically have access to a merry heart for the rest of your eternal life. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. If you'll turn to Acts chapter 8, verse 37, in Acts 8, 37, there's a passage in Acts chapter 8 that talks about this Ethiopian eunuch that was riding a chariot and he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. He was actually reading Isaiah 53. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 36, it says something like, after Philip had preached Jesus to the Ethiopian, the Ethiopian says, well, here is water. What hinders me to be baptized? In Acts chapter 8, 36. Acts chapter 8, 37 says, if thou believest with all thine heart that Jesus is the Christ. Uh, notice, if thou believest with all thine heart. And then verse 38, he says, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, you might have a Bible that doesn't have verse 37 in there. Well, verse 37 is the key verse, really, of the entire chapter. Verse 37 tells us that we must do what <laughs> with our heart? We must believe. That is the key, all right? And so there are some modern versions today that go 36, 38. They just miss 37, or they put it in parentheses and tell you that it might not supposed to be there, blah, 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 whatever it might be. The point is this. Whether you have it in your Bible right now or not, I'm going to ask you this question. Do you have 37 in your life? Because if you got baptized without being saved, you're not a Christian. See, if you skip 37, it looks like he said, well, here's water. Let's get baptized. Boom, they went and got baptized. You know how many people around the world right now think they're Christians because they got baptized? 37 is missing in their life. 37 is the key. It's the belief part. Not just head belief, heart belief. I hope that sobers you. Because if it's, if it's taken out of the Bible, I guarantee you there are preachers who are not preaching it. Or teaching it. And people aren't getting it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
The thief on the cross didn't even have a chance to get baptized. And I know people personally who I saw saved but never had a chance to see them baptized because they died a few weeks later, and I'm not worried about that at this point because what mattered most was the belief with all thine heart. And if you want a merry heart that works like medicine, you've got to have that faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart, not in water, in your heart in his salvation and what he did on the cross. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and following says that, says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine, what? Heart. I'm convinced a lot of people believe in their head. I'm convinced a lot of people are Christians in their head. And obviously you've got to believe in your head if you're going to believe in your heart. But a lot of people, it just stops in their head. My dad says what I've heard a lot of people say, 18 inches from hell, your brain to your heart, about 18 inches. It's the heart. Again, Romans 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For it is with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's with the heart we believe. That's true faith in the heart. Faith to believe from the heart, not just with the mouth. It's one thing to say, I believe Jesus can save people. That's a mental acknowledgement. It's another thing from your heart to believe he will save and has saved you. And I trust in the Lord with all my heart. There are days, and there used to be days, when I doubted the Lord. I didn't so much doubt the Lord as I doubted myself. But I was reminded by the Holy Spirit that my salvation is not up to me. It's up to him. What good news that is, and I'll show you a verse about that in a little bit. Salvation is a heart thing. Verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not an ethnicity thing, because the verses previous there in 11 and 12, it doesn't matter if it's Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter who you are. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So trust in the Lord. So if you want a merry heart, which works like medicine, do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ from your heart? Have you trusted him? And do you trust him from your heart? Do you this day right now trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your savior from the heart? If it's from the heart, it won't matter how bad things get in your life. Years ago, in a place called Columbine, There were two jerks that walked into a school with guns and they held a gun to Rachel Scott and another girl by the name of Carrie and they said, you still believe in God? She said, I do, and they shot her. My personal belief, and only God knows I'm not God, but my personal belief is it requires heart belief to answer that when you're staring at a gun. It requires a heart belief. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You want a merry heart, it starts there. Then look at Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14 in verse 20, it says, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Proverbs 4 verse 21 says, Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Notice again the connection between your heart and the word and the health. For they are life unto those that find and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Now, most medical doctors will tell you absolutely your heart health is in is very important. You need to have a healthy heart. And and they're right, except they're only talking about medical science. The word is talking about the spiritual heart. And yet, the spiritual heart connects to the physical health. I want to stop here and give a little disclaimer. If you are sick or you are sickly, that does not mean you have a bad heart right off the bat. All right? I am not one of those TV preachers that says, if you've got some illness, obviously you're not right with God. 
I don't believe that. I mean, sooner or later, we all, we all have an illness. It's called we're dying. We're getting closer to death every day. And eventually all of us are going to die no matter how healthy we are. But I do believe, and I, and I know that doctors even agree, that there is something connected to the spiritual. There is something about the inner that affects the out. And that is what the word of God is teaching. And it says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And unfortunately, a lot of people are more interested in their cholesterol than they are whether or not their heart's filled with sin. They're more interested in their cholesterol or their heart condition physically than they are whether Jesus is the one they trust in with their heart. Listen, you can't be healthy without the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Verse 24, put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So secondly, under trusting the Lord, keep thy heart by keeping the word. My son, attend to my words. Keep them, and let not them depart from thy Keep them in the midst of of thy heart. David said it this way, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If you want a healthy heart that is merry, learn what his word says. Dwell upon his word. As a matter of fact, let's look at some verses about that. Again, our fingers in Proverbs, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. This isn't just for Sunday school children. Please understand This is for you. You're concerned about your health. I hope you realize what a favor you're doing to your body when you focus and dwell upon the Lord and his word. It says in Colossians 3, verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also you are called in one body and be ye thankful. Shake hands with a poor boy who owns everything. You can be thankful if you realize, I'm a poor, good for nothing, I don't deserve much, but I have a mansion waiting for me in heaven. And I can be thankful, and I don't know about you, but me personally, I can look back at my life from right now, from age 50 all the way back to zero, I can look back at my life, and yeah, there's ups and downs, and there's heartaches and heartbreaks, but I can look back at my life and say, I have gotten more than I ever deserved. And if I never get one more blessing, and if I die right now or I die another 50 years from now without another blessing, I already got more than I deserved. So why can't I be thankful? Someone said a a proud heart is never a thankful heart because a proud heart never gets as much as they think they deserve. But a humble heart is thankful for just what they have. And then verse 16 says, not only thankful, but singing. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your in your where? In your hearts. Pastor, I'm not a very good singer. Make a joyful noise. But most importantly, sing in your heart. I mean, if it really is lousy to hear, you can still sing on the inside. And you should be singing. And those Sunday school songs that we sing and the Bible verse songs that we sing, Seek ye first the king. We're not just singing that because it's children's. No, that's the Bible. And when you learn those Bible verses, you learn them to song. You memorize them. One of the songs we learned at camp years ago, Behold, behold, God is my salvation. Isaiah 12, 2. I will trust and not be afraid. Behold, behold, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Can you think of a time where that verse isn't good? To have that memorized and to sing it? You're doing yourself a favor the more Bible you know. It's not just for a chocolate candy. It's so that David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Why? Because your health is connected to your heart. That's just one reason. 
singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 19, it goes on the same, almost the same thing, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, humming those tunes that we learn at church humming those songs and repeating those choruses and those psalms that we learn from the word of God in church. Oh, I know there's a lot of other songs out there you can hear on the radio, but they're more about the bang, 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 bang than they are about the words from the word of God. Let me tell you something. It's the word of God that does the difference, not the whatever sound. In fact, you don't need drums to to be able to memorize these songs. And just learning the word of God and speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The word of God is spoken. The word, the doctrine from the word of God is taught. And the more, I remember as a young man, I was just a teenager. And I was singing, I think it was How Great Thou Art. Or, or maybe it was How Firm a Foundation. It was one of those songs. And I was just, and all of a sudden I was just singing it. Because it's just, I, I go to church all the time. And I'm a pastor's son. And I just, and it's just memory. It's just all up here. And one day I'm, I'm just at home and I was playing a game with somebody and I just started humming that. And then all of a sudden it clicked. It was like it clicked, like the light bulb came on. That's the Bible. I'm singing the Bible. Now, I, I'm pretty dense, so it took like 15 years, you know. The hint, the, it's not just warm fuzzy, it's the Bible. You know how many churches don't use hymns anymore? They don't even know what this is anymore. So they sing warm fuzzy. Warm fuzzy doesn't help you when you need it most. But God's word is God's word. And when you memorize it and sing it, you are doing your health a favor. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4 verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Let me tell you something. It's a wonderful thing if you've had a terrible experience. It's a wonderful thing if you've made a complete fool of yourself. If you got forgiveness for it. Because if you found forgiveness for it from God, you then can now sing it and with a tender heart, you can empathize with someone else who needs it. You, and and this is kind of what Hope Ministry on Friday night is about, you then can say, hey, I've been there. Maybe not exactly there, but I've been there. And let me tell you something. It doesn't have to be Friday night. Whatever time in your life, you can say to your, your neighbor, your coworker, whoever, listen, I was going through that. And I did this, this, and this, and I'm very much ashamed of it. But I'm going to tell you, the only reason why I repeat it is because you need to know that his grace and his forgiveness is amazing. And I want to encourage the people in this room, as I said in Sunday school, I know some of you have ashamed stories, but listen to me. If God's given you deliverance and forgiveness from it, what an awesome trophy you are of the grace of God. And what an awesome opportunity you have to share with someone, listen, I can be tenderhearted towards you because I got forgiveness from something just as rotten as what you're talking about. And that kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another thing, that is, a, that is a wonderful thing that your heart needs to have. One fear I have as a pastor who grew up in a pastor's home is my children not having the understanding what some other kids have gone through. I don't even understand. But I do drive a school bus. And I do hang around kids as much as I can. And I learn and I find out that, boy, there's some folks out there with a real broken mess. And I'm not arrogant or proud to think that or know that. But with tender heart to share with them and show them where the answer is. One more. There's more that we could talk about, but one more. Second Corinthians chapter number 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. There's something else that, you, that your heart needs to have in it under the trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 9, it says in verse 6, But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. 
And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his, where? So let him give, not grudgingly, or of just necessity. But God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I have noticed this in my life. There are some unselfish givers who do not have much, but their heart is unselfish and they give. And when I say give, it isn't just money. You, you don't have to you don't have to just you don't have to have money to be a giver. Time is a precious value, and if you give that and you give of your time and your talents and resources, and and you just purpose in your heart to give what God has laid upon your heart to give, do you know you're doing yourself a favor? You're helping your health. A few weeks ago, about three weeks ago, someone in our church handed me this health report. It was an article written by a doctor, a very smart doctor, way smarter than I am. Female doctor by the name of Dr. Yu Hong Dong. You might be able to guess what ethnicity that is. It's not from around here. But Miss Yu Hong Dong is from China. Miss Yu Hong Dong wrote an article that's very interesting to me. I don't even know if she's a Christian or not. But just the scientific thing she said in the article caught my attention. She talked about people who never seem to get infected by viruses. Well, that's kind of an important thing right now. And she talked about viruses that actually see people with weakened immunities. Can I tell you something? I do know the Bible pretty well, and I know that the spirit world sees people with weakened spiritual lives. And she's saying that the physical sees weakened immunities and they attack them. So she writes in several pages, and I'm not going to be able to read the whole thing to you, but let me just try to give you the gist of it. She talks about this substance that they've discovered. It's always been there, but they just finally called it a name. It's called interferons. And an interferon is something that interferes with the replication of viruses and breaks down the virus. She said the more interferons you have, the the more healthy you are because they're interfering with the attack. So the more interferons that's present, the lower the incidence of developing severe symptoms of covid There are two states of immunity, she goes on to say. The first state is the antiviral state. It's characterized by strong antiviral immunity from immune cells that can secrete interferons to eradicate viruses. The second state is the systemic chronic inflammation state. This state makes people susceptible to viral infections. She she said a study published in Nature Medicine summarizes the causes of chronic inflammation and its consequences. Some of the most common factors are physical inactivity, obesity, poor diet, social isolation, psychological stress, and poor sleep. Well, I want to stop and just tell you how I'm going to connect all this in a minute. God invented something called the local church. The local church does not allow you to be physically inactive. This Saturday, I'm going to meet with a bunch of other people, and we're going to go out, and we're going to knock on doors on Saturday. I will automatically get exercise just for doing that. We work with young people on Wednesday nights. You want to get some exercise? Come join us. Social isolation? God didn't make us to be socially isolated hermits. And the local church is a beautiful thing because it causes us to socialize with people we probably would never hang around otherwise. It allows rich and poor to meet together. It allows people who have this background to hang and rub shoulders with people who have that background. It's a beautiful thing, and it, it removes social isolation. And as I read this, I'm thinking, the local church fixes a lot of this problem and the word of God, which was where we get the idea of local church. 
So she talks about how, you know, we, we improve nutrition, we develop antibodies, uh, there's boosting nutrition, adding exercise, that's a normal understood thing, but there are other internal ways. She talks about everyone has motions and thoughts and characteristics and different mental states. And these things have material effects. And then she talks about these two words. One is hedonic, hedonic. And hedonic you might have heard of before. The other one is eudaimonic. They're as weird to spell as they are to say. But hedonic, or hedon, hedonic, is a happiness that's often fleeting. So when we read, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine, some of you might have thought, like me the first time I read it, if I just watch Apple Dumpling Gang all the time, I'll just always be healthy. Laugh at Tim Conway and Don Knotts all the time. But that's the fleeting hedonic side of it. She goes on to say that the hedonic uh, is more of, you know, tasty foods and indulgences, watching movies, drinking alcohol, a fling with someone. That's, that's temporary pleasure. She said that's not really the, the secret she said the eudaimonic happiness is more lasting because it's derived from more substantial experiences and aspects of our character, and it's a striving for something that's meaningful, a goal that might be hard to achieve, but it's a meaningful goal. A study published in PNAS, top-ranked journal, discovered that people who were inclined to pursue justice and noble goals, which were eudaimonic, had a higher interferon gene and higher ability to produce antibodies and significantly lower expression of chronic inflammatory genes. Now, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking to myself, you know what God does? You know what God tells the Christian? God tells the Christian, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It seems like a goal will never get accomplished. But every time it happens, it's a blessing. There's a young lady here. She's been here for two weeks now. She got saved two weeks ago, and she's just a blessing. It does something psychological to my heart and mind when I see a new saved person added to the church or even some of you old saved people that are here. What an awesome thing. That is a more achieving goal than just a fleeting temporary satisfaction. See, it really isn't laughter is the best medicine. It's obeying the word of God that's the best medicine. That is the merry heart that doeth good like a medicine. If you were here the other night, it was a blessing to see the young people serving, not just because we got to sit and be served, but because to see them serving and to see their heart and to see their joy and to see the fact that they, that's a thrill to me. And it encouraged me to keep going. She went on to say the Harvard and California Berkeley found that people with honest hearts are less prone to viral infections. What a concept. Dishonest behavior will lead to a decline in antiviral ability. People who seek purpose in life have a stronger natural killer cell and immunity. Again, I'm not saying that if you're sickly, this proves you're not right with God. But it's encouraging when your Bible is back and when science finally catches up to your Bible. Because the word of God tells me that I'm supposed to have a purpose in life. And my purpose is not me. People whose purpose is themselves do not have good health. But my purpose is others. And my purpose is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that serving of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's amazing how that naturally I'm getting something I don't even understand or know about. A stronger sense of purpose in life results in a 43% reduced risk of mortality. A sense of purpose can produce health and protect health. She goes on to say, and I'm almost done. This is the last page. In traditional cultures, people who are kind and altruistic, which means unselfish, honest, and have a calm heart and a humble attitude are normally healthier. Normally. Now we understand it's because they have high levels of interferon. And if you're like me and you're a simple guy, I'm glad that he just said, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I don't need to write you an article. I'm just going to tell you a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I don't have to read you a whole medical article. The Bible's right. The Bible's right. Hey, guess what? The Bible's right. 
she says this, stable mind, better mental health, people with these qualities in their lives, kind, altruistic. Wait, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving. They're not easily as anxious and depressed and negative intense emotions. She said this, now remember, she's from China. I have a friend who has faith. I don't know what kind of faith she's talking about. I have a friend who has faith. She is kind, and she often volunteers to help others. And she has been in the COVID ward every day throughout this pandemic, and she has never been infected. And then she says this, and I want you to hear this. Throughout the recent COVID surge in China, this was written three weeks ago, there have been an unusual number of high-profile Chinese officials who have died of suspected COVID-19 infections. As high-ranking officials in China, they enjoy state-of-the-art medical care. They have first-class food, nutrients, and dietary supplements. So why are the high-ranking Chinese officials dying? Well, here's what we know. The high-ranking officials are involved in fake news and propaganda, including the cover-up of and concealment of COVID-19 data, the, suspre- the suppression of whistleblowers, and the suppression of people who dare to speak the truth. These high-ranking officials in China, not all of them, but many of them didn't share the truth with people. They either executed the cover-up or helped with the cover-up. And from a biological perspective, their body's stress hormone levels were much higher than people who don't bear the stress of dishonesty. You just follow this book. You don't have to study all the science journals. If you'll just obey God, you'll be healthier, generally speaking. The officials don't put the well-being of the Chinese people before profits and power. And so their immune cells are weakened as opposed to those who care for others. More virtuous minds and kinder hearts make a difference. She is a doctor who holds a doctorate in infectious diseases. She is a chief scientific officer and co-founder of a Swiss biotech company and former senior medical scientific expert for antiviral drug development in Switzerland. Now, I hope you don't believe this message because you heard from a doctor today. I hope you just realize this right here is the truth. And the more you obey it. So let me finish the rest of this sermon. A broken, damaged heart can be restored. Jesus read from Isaiah 61 verse 1 in Luke chapter, I think it was 4 or 5. Jesus read these words. I am come to bind up the broken hearted. You might have a damaged and broken heart, but good news, you can be restored. Your heart can be restored. If you're not saved, you can be born again. The Bible says that God will not despise a broken and contrite heart. Psalm chapter 34 and verse 18. Psalm 34 and verse 18. The Bible says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. God wants to save you. God is desiring to save you, but he he needs you to have a humble, open, honest heart that realizes you are lost without him. Psalm 51, verse 10, David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. Thou wilt not despise. I don't wish someone to have a broken heart for the sake of your own hurtful and and sympathy and emotions but I'm telling you right now a broken heart is actually a good thing because if you'll turn to God he'll mend your broken heart probably some people in this room are saved only because you got a broken heart maybe a doctor told you you've got something terminal and it broke your heart Maybe something happened in your life and it humbled your heart and your proud spirit and you turned to the Lord Jesus Christ what an awesome thing a broken heart can be restored From not trusting to trusting. Remember, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That you'll believe in your heart, not just your head, but with your heart. 
to go from not trusting and not being saved to being born again. There are people who are seeking for help with their addictions and with their issues in their life. It starts with salvation. That's where it starts. And you get your heart mended by the Holy Spirit of God through salvation. And then those of us who are saved, let me show you this verse, 1 John chapter number 3. 1 John chapter 3. In 1 John chapter 3, it says this, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, you ever have a condemned heart? Maybe you're saved and yet you've committed sin and you've done things you know are wrong, just as I have. Isn't that a lousy feeling? And maybe you're under the burden of condemnation and you need to recognize and remember that no matter what you've done, Christ will not change his mind when he said he would give us eternal life. If you're not saved, you need to get saved. That condemnation will never change until you get saved. But those of us who are saved, it's not like you need to get re-saved again, but you do need to confess and to forsake and to turn to Christ for his forgiveness and cleansing. And it says, if our heart condemn us, this is good news. God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. You know what I love about that verse? It proves that it doesn't even matter if I feel saved or not. If I'm saved, I'm saved. Sometimes Satan has reminded me of some sins I've done in the past. And I've reminded him after God reminded me, but they're forgiven. And they've been paid for. And so you can dig it all up if you want to, but it's forgiven. It's done. In fact, he's buried it in the depths of the deepest sea. He's removed it as far as the east is from the west. And he's decided to delete it. And so even if your heart condemns you, friend, God's greater than your heart. When it comes to salvation, don't forget that. That no matter what Satan tries to remind you of or some person in town tries to remind you of, you need to learn to say, yes, that's true of my past. But it's not true of my present. You are correct. I am. I was guilty of that. But I no longer am guilty of that because he took it and he paid for it and I've been pardoned. What an awesome thing to tell them. You know why? Because maybe they'll realize that's what I need. That's why we call it hope. That's what I need. And verse 21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, now this is awesome, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. If you get over this guilt thing that Satan wants to keep dragging you into and you realize it's forgiven, it's forsaken, it's forgotten, it's under the blood, and even though the world won't forgive it or even though I can't always forget it, I'm telling you right now, God is willing and ready and has forgiven and forgotten it and it's done. What an awesome thing when you can walk with confidence because your heart no longer is condemning you. That's when you start to heal. And everybody in here knows that a condemned heart suffers. And if you're not saved, if you'll get saved, that'll fix that. If you're saved and you're still under this doubt and this cloud of discouragement, get out from there. Understand the promises in God's word. First John chapter 1, just a page over, talks about if we confess, he'll, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let me remind you that there are murderers who wrote part of the New Testament. There are murderers who wrote part of the Old Testament. Let me remind you that when the Apostle Paul walked into heaven, some of the people he had a hand in killing shook hands with him as he walked in. Think about that. That's the amazing grace of God. They they cheered as their murderer walked in. 
Stephen was being stoned to death while Paul stood and watched it, holding all the clothes. And yet when Paul entered heaven, they hugged each other and rejoiced. I can't prove that, but I know it's true. They're both in the same heaven. From doubting to confidence. So if it's good for your health, guess who doesn't want you to have that? And then look with me quickly, Psalm 119, verse 9 through 11. Psalm 119, verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man or a young woman, wherewithal shall a young person or an old person, wherewithal shall someone cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Notice verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee, let me not wander from my, thy commandments. Thy word have I hid. Where? In my heart. That I might not sing it. I want to be a, a more unselfish person. I want to be a more giving person. I want to be a more loving person. I want to be a more sacrificing person. I want to be a more kind person. Guess what? The more of God's word is in your life, the more that's going to happen. I can't get involved in hope ministry. I've got all these issues. Man, you are the perfect candidate. We've been looking for you. You know what? All of us that have been showing up, we at them too. And the more we study it, we find out, man, we got issues. Some of us showed up thinking, well, we're going to help these people with addictions. And we found out we are the ones that got problems. And we realize, <coughs> with my whole heart, I find out that I can get clean and I can stay clean. And God's word was given to me as a child. I've known the Holy Scriptures and it is what keeps me corrected and on the right way. It's what keeps me on the right path. Second Timothy 3 tells us that. It's why we have the word of God. So the secret to having peace in your heart, it's really no secret because Philippians chapter 4 says this. I'm almost done. It's a topical message. It's about the heart. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. That's the same thing as saying, be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Rejoice in the Lord 70% of the time. Is that what it says? One of the great hymns in our book, written by a guy who lost his eye to cancer, now is fighting dementia right now. But before he got dementia, he wrote these words, God never moves without purpose or plan. When trying a servant or molding a man, and the chorus says, Rejoice in the Lord. It came straight out of that passage. Rejoice in the Lord. And if so-and-so sees you rejoicing and happy and not just dragging through life and they say, wait a minute, aren't you one that's guilty of this, this, and this? What's wrong with you? How come you're so happy? Oh, yeah, I used to be. I'm forgiven. And I'm enjoying life. I'm enjoying my forgiven state of life. I'm rejoicing. And I just got done praying to him. And I remind, was reminded in the sermon I heard that I can be careful for nothing. And instead, with every, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, because there is always something to thank God for. I can ask him. I used to think I couldn't ask him anything because I was such a dirty, rotten, whatever, but I realized that he wants me to keep asking him for things. Once I get right with him, he wants me to talk to him and ask him for things. And here's the cool part, verse 7. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And that's how you get a healthy heart is when you focus on what he has you to focus on. And verse 8 gives you a whole list of things. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think 
on these things. And I don't know about you, but the more I go to church, the more I'm reminded of the stuff I should be thinking about. And the more I'm in the world, and the more I'm allowing the world on my phone in my pocket to tell me what to think, the more I'm forgetting what I'm supposed to be thinking about. And even if you want to turn on conservative talk radio, it's only so long it's like, oh man, I'm getting depressed. Think on these things. And be anxious for nothing. But what if really bad things happen and, 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 and there's balloons flying around? Hey, guess what? God is in charge of everything. He can handle it. And what if someone comes up to me and says, I know what you did. Honest and humbly say, I know what I did too. And I'm not proud of it. But I am very, very bragging on my God right now. Because he's relieved me from it. And he's forgiven it. And I'm saved. And oh, by the way, did you know that a merry heart do as good like a medicine? How's your heart? Pharmaceuticals can't sell very much if we start following this book right here. And you know what I found out? There are no side effects. I listen to some of those radio programs. It's like, this will be great for your depression. Side effects are nausea, upset stomach, diarrhea, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, keep it. There are no side effects with his program. Young people, Satan doesn't want you to have a merry heart. I look down and I see this girl named Jada with a Y. She's a goofball. And I call her out on purpose because I guarantee you Satan has his gun pointed right at her right now. You know why? Because she tends to have a merry heart. And there are people who notice that. And so they don't want her to not have a merry heart. Josh is up here leading songs this morning. All right, let's turn a song here. Hope you get something out of this. I didn't, but hope you do. Nobody gets anything out of it if you don't have a merry heart. And Satan doesn't want you to have a merry heart. Instead of pretending like we're all a bunch of people who never sinned, let's just be honest. We're a bunch of people who have sinned. And we are sinners. But we have, through the grace and forgiveness of God, we have the opportunity to have a merry heart. And through a merry heart, we have a healthy life. This is not a promise to you like the TV preachers that if you'll put another five in the offering plate and put your hand on the Bible... You'll have a healthy life. That's not what we're talking about. Because we all know that eventually we don't stay healthy. We die. But in a roundabout way, there's something different about a Christian who follows God. There's, there's a calm in the midst of the storm. And instead of being worrying yourself to death... There's a stress relief. And as it says in Philippians, a peace that passes all understanding. You know why people do drugs? They're looking for a peace that passes all understanding. You and I have access to it. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. With our heads bowed, I just want to ask, would there be someone, say, Pastor, I don't know that I have ever placed my faith and trust in Christ from the heart. I don't can't say that I know I'm trusting him for salvation right now from the heart. I'm I'm wondering about it, I'm not sure. Would there be anyone that say, I need to talk with you? I just want to confirm some things. I just need to ask questions. Would anyone raise their hand? That's me, Pastor. I want to visit with you after church today. Anyone at all? Please, if that's you, raise your hand. I'll talk to you. Anyone? And secondly, I, I know I'm saved and have maybe followed the Lord in, in baptism as an example he gave to us. I need to be baptized. Maybe that's you. I, I know I'm saved, but I, I need to be baptized since my salvation. I need to be baptized. Maybe there's someone like that. I need to join this church. I need to be a part of this church. Or maybe it's just God spoke to my heart about something that I've been wrestling with and I have 
not learning to let it go and recognize that Satan wants me to keep bringing it up, but it's done. It's been paid for. It's been forgiven. And he's been beating on me and ruining my merry heart. Maybe God spoke to you about that today. I'm just going to take a few moments of time. If you want to get out of your seat and get on your knees, that's fine, but I'm going to take a few moments of time before we close to talk to him about anything you might have heard from him today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your proverbs are there for our wisdom, for us to get wisdom. And long before medical doctors figured out something called interferons, you said a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Lord, help us to realize that Satan wants to rob us of that very thing. Rob us of our opportunity for salvation. He wants to rob us of the joy that our salvation has offered us so that we could be a real testimony to our neighbor who's scratching their head and wondering how we could be joyful when things haven't always been wonderful. And they need to see that. Lord, help the Christians in this room to be challenged and encouraged to allow their their unsavory testimony in the past to be used to give you the glory for the present. To share with others how you have lifted them out of the miry clay and you have made them and placed them something that they couldn't have done themselves for your glory and for the testimony in the community. May we not be ashamed of what you've done. Ashamed of what we did, but not ashamed of what you've done in forgiving us in cleansing us and restoring us. May we instead brag about you and share others the good news. And may we leave today with a heart that is clean and right before you, that no one would leave today with the same dirt in their heart, the same unconfessed guilt or sin, but that we would in turn turn to you and praise you and give you praise and give you thanks and give you glory and with no anxious, no anxiety over anything. Continue to pray to you and ask you for our needs and never forget to give thanks so that we can exemplify the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, help us to be people that rejoice in the Lord always. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.